Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Uh, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Find First Timothy with me, please. I, I'm just impressed in my spirit to review certain things that we've been discussing in, in the past. Basically, because of what I was teaching concerning a good man, out of the good deposits of his heart brings forth good things. Or a good man, because of depositing good things into the treasury of his heart, brings forth good things or allows good things to spring forth out of his spirit. And an evil man, an evil man, because he deposits evil things into his spirit or makes deposits of evil things into the treasury of his heart, you see, then he brings forth that which is evil. And, of course, we want everything that we bring forth to be good. Why? So men can see our good works and glorify our, God, our Father in heaven. Amen? Absolutely. So bear with me and we'll follow the leading of the Spirit. Shall we pray first? Our Father, we give thanks to you this night, glorifying you, honoring you, magnifying you for your holy written word. For we have a more sure word of prophecy. Glory to God. We thank you for that. And we can trust our lives to its provisions. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for ears to hear, a heart to receive, minds to be open, to understand and to know the truth that makes us free. Thank you for lips anointed of your spirit to speak forth accurately and boldly the word of truth. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that our faith stands not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Unto thee be glory and honor, both now and forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to notice in verse 18 of 1 Timothy it says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies. If you've never underlined that or circled that, circle that in your Bible there, underline it. According to the prophecies which went before on thee. Now notice, circle prophecies, then, then that next part, that thou by them. You see that? Mightest war a good warfare. You know, the Bible says, Don't despise not prophesying. Did you know that? And do you know why people would even be tempted to despise prophecy? Because of the abuse and the misuse. I, if I went to, to a church and all they did was prophesy over everybody, laid hands and prophesied over every person at the altar every week, I'd probably get to the point, my goodness, is that all they do? I'd probably get to the point of despising prophecy. It's exactly why Paul wrote that letter and said, no, don't despise prophecy, despise not prophesying. Because, you see, it has its rightful place. You realize that's what Jesus meant when he said, walk down the straight and narrow. You're always going to have the abusers and, misu and misusers. Then you always have those on the other side of the ditch that they don't want anything to do with it. There's always a tendency when you do corrective teaching for people to go to one extreme to the other and just bypass the middle of the road to go off to this side. But not do that anymore and stop it. And not to look to what the Word really says and say, well, I'm not going to be scared out by the fanaticism and wildfire. And yet I'm not going to get over here on this side and say, I'm going to back off. And walk away from it. I'm going to look to what the Word says. See, the Word is a more sure word of prophecy. Is what it really is. And that's why everything that we do here should line up with what that, to what that Word says. Amen. And you'll see just by studying the gifts of the Spirit that they were not given so that we can have something above the Word of God. Amen. They're not given for that purpose. 
The gifts of the Spirit are not for that purpose. But you'll notice this, that when the gift is properly used, now notice this, this gift of prophecy, that thou, by them, thou mayest, Timothy, by what? By the prophecies that went before on thee, that by them thou mightest war a good warfare. See, when God is in it, when the Spirit of God is in it, when God is speaking through these gifts, and if we will heed to what is that which is being spoken or that which is being said, then we can use that which is said, amen, to war a good warfare, to fight a good fight. Because, you see, there might be something that he has to say to you that he didn't write it to the church here, you know, in industry. He may have written something similar there, but there might be some things that, you know, it's not written there. But he's got to speak something to us to get over across to us, and we have to be in a position to hear in other words, what condition are we in? He wrote to those churches there and said, now you're in this and you're in that and you're in this condition and that condition. But what about the church at industry? I wonder what Jesus would have said to John then. See, there's some things that have to be said. And now notice he says, if you listen to what's being said, then by them, by those prophecies that went before on thee, by them you'll fight or war a good warfare. Well, fight the good fight of faith. Paul says, I finished my course. I fought the good fight. So when, when we start saying that God is speaking to us, God is saying something, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Listen to what's being said because it pertaineth unto us. I said it pertaineth unto us. Now, I'm just going to just, just go ahead and, and flow with God. And do what he said, do. I shared with you, I revealed to you that what the Lord, which the Lord spoke to me the same way through prophecy concerning keeping our armor bright and shiny and clean. Amen. It's in the bulletin. We have to heed those things. And as I look back over the two-year period, I just recognized and realized that it was because of keeping the armor bright and shining and clean and not getting involved with things that other Christians were getting involved in, we were protected from much destruction and devastation. Did you know that? Don't run with the ideas of men. Don't run with that which is motivated by the emotions and, and the flesh. I'll give you just a quick example. Remember when the satellite began to, to, to come out and... And, you know, but everybody was just gung-ho. They were just on fire. This is it. You've got to get involved in satellite. Amen? You've got to get the church involved in all this. Well, a couple of years down the road, you know what pastors are telling me now? I should sell that thing. That thing's brought more destruction, more devastation, more tragedy to my congregation than anything else I've ever invested in. My brother and sister, I'm telling you the truth. More confusion. All kinds of stuff. Well, why? Because, you see, what may be good for one may not be good for another. And if they'd have listened to God and waited upon God, God would have spoke to their hearts and maybe said, well, that's not for you to get into. And God spoke to our hearts. That's not for you to get into. Do you see that? That's not for you to get into. So just go along with that and just go along with God. And although seemingly at the beginning there, everybody else is involved in all this and you should be too. But if you're not going with the, with the flow of God, if you're not doing this, well, we just ignored what man was saying and just began to stay in tune with what God was saying. And so we averted a lot of trouble. Amen. I know that. Well, he spoke to my heart and said through that same, the same way he's talking to Timothy there and said, keep your armor bright and shiny and clean by staying in my presence. Worshiping and praising me. Because, you see, when you do that, you're refreshed. When you do that, you're built up. You're ready for battle, see? Keep your armor bright and shining and clean by staying in my presence. And the time that you spend in worship and praise is not wasted time. Because, you see, that's when he can speak to your heart and give you these directives. Give you direction that you need to take, either through tongues interpretation or through prophecy or whatever it is. Prophetic utterances given to you, for you, for the church. You know, I take much of what is being spoken to me for the whole body here because of my office, you know. And so that's why I reveal and share some of those things with you that I know that I have to. 
But by them. By what? By those prophecies. Now you see, I'm going to say just like it was witness in my spirit. If we don't obey God his, in His Word, which is the more sure word of prophecy. Now listen. If you don't learn to obey God by looking to the more sure word of prophecy, then chances are, if God even began to speak to you by His Spirit, you wouldn't be all that sure about what God is saying to you and what He's telling you to do. Because, you see, it's when we line up to the more sure word of prophecy that we would be faithful to line up to what He's saying to us prophetically or through the, that office or through that gift by His Spirit. Because, you see, He's not going to start speaking to people, telling them what to do through these spiritual gifts if they're not lining up with the Word of God. Oh, yeah, they'll have so-called so or supposed manifestations, but they won't be God-inspired. They'll be inspired by the emotions. Did you know that? Yes, man can misuse and man can abuse the gifts of the Spirit. And that's why we've been teaching on the character of God. To do what? To clean out the Spirit so that the Spirit can be in a good position to hear from God. Amen. God wants to use pure hearts. That's why He wants us to be pure. So that we can be pure channels of His love and pure channels of the manifestations of His Spirit. Oh yes, the temptation was great just to go flow with the flow of what's happening in the body of Christ. You know, you're the one who's being left out, you know, and all that sort of thing. But I just had a scratch on the inside. Know what a scratch is? You ever scratch a blackboard? Everybody like, like that when someone scratches a blackboard? How many of you like that sound? Do it again, right? Man, when teachers that in school, my skin began to crawl. You know what I mean by that? Ooh. Well, I had that same scratch down here on the inside. So, you don't do it. But if you look in the natural, if you look in the emotional, this is the thing to do. Everybody's excited about it. My, how many attitudes have changed. You see, when the gifts of the Spirit are in proper operation and you are in tune with the Spirit and you're grounded in the Word of God, then God's going to speak some things to you that's going to enable you to war a good warfare, to be prepared for the battle. And that's what he said by prophecy. Keep your armor bright, shiny, and clean. By staying in my presence, it's not wasted time. It's a time of refreshing. It's a time of building. And whatever comes your way by the hand of the enemy, he'll not be able to destroy my intention, my purpose, and my work. He spoke it very distinctly. And I want you to know that by that, we've been fighting a good war. I mean, here in leadership, we've been fighting a good warfare. Keep looking to that which was spoken, to that which was said. Well, now, I said not too long ago that this voice or the word of the Lord came unto me saying on a Friday night, the hour is at hand throughout all the land that a decision must be made. The hour is at hand throughout all the land that a decision must be made. And so I got up and I began to pursue. See, if you don't pursue the things of the Spirit or follow the things of the Spirit... You'll lose it. You'll lose out. And it doesn't matter what hour of the day or the night it is. You should go to your Bible immediately. Take it up and get an attitude of prayer with God. And then begin to follow the impressions of the Spirit as He begins to move upon your heart. And so He began to speak to my heart and say, I want you to issue a warning, both to the just and to the unjust, both to the righteous and to the, and to the unrighteous, to the saved and the unsaved, both alike. And under the unjust or to the wicked, say this, that the hour is at hand. You say, but hasn't that been said from generation to generation? Absolutely, because I'll be honest with you. The same thing that was said to the previous generation is going to be the same, same thing that's said to our generation, going to be the same thing said to the next generation, should Jesus tarry. Why? Because our time is at hand. You know, you don't live here forever on earth. Did you know that? The, say, the unsaved are not going to live forever on this earth. So in their time, in their allotted time upon the face of the earth, their hour of decision has come. To many, to many, I know there are those that are just being born, but we have to realize, although there are those that are just being born, there are still those who might be 55 or 60 years old, about ready to die. And the hour of decision is at hand throughout the land that multitudes who are in the valley of decision must make a decision. And to the unsaved, and I'm going to issue this warning every service, 
much as I can until I just have a release that I don't have to issue it any longer. But it's this. There is a hell to shun. There is a heaven to gain. There is a second death to fear. And if they don't repent, turn from their sins, come to God by virtue of the blood of the Lamb, they will be eternally lost and cast into the lake of fire. And that's, that's just it. But then you see, on the other hand, there's the righteous. And probably one of the most difficult things to do is to issue this warning and explain in a way that we can understand what God is saying because you don't want to hurt the newborn babes. You see, although we have, and I'll use the same illustration, newborn babes in the body of Christ, that doesn't mean that's all we have in the body of Christ. Although there are those who are just being born in and they need attention, we have those who are also in the body of Christ who are in the valley of decision. Why? Because they're not going to live forever upon this earth. And if you've been involved in full gospel ministry, word ministry, faith ministry, and you have neglected your salvation, and I don't mean not, you know, you don't go to church all the time or whatever. I'm talking about you've neglected studying the Word of God, discovering the will of God for your life, being filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues, walking in the realm of love, living the love life, being the head of your household, loving your wife like Christ loved the church, teaching your children, all these things. If we have neglected so great a salvation, well, the hour of decision is at hand because you know why? Because your children are not going to be under your roof forever. So you've got to make that decision before it's too late. Well, to God, it were true that your wife would stay under your roof forever. But I found out and discovered that that's not the case always in the body of Christ. Amen. Or your husband. But the same thing is true there. People are in the valley of decision and they've got to make a decision as to what they're going to do with their spiritual well-being. Because they've been around the faith walk, the love walk, and, and the Holy Ghost talking and, and all that. They've been around that. And now the time has come that their spiritual condition is very dangerous. They're going to miss out on the things of God. And you want to say that to those involved without hurting the younger ones who are just coming in. What's he talking about? You see why sometimes it's very tough. For the most part, many just got back from the pulpit and just picked up their drawers and just began to lash out. Hellfire and brimstones coming to your door. And if you don't get your act together, and you see, that's just not the way to do it. It's the truth. But that's not always the wisest way to do it. Because, you see, you've got that one sitting over here, just got saved, maybe about a year, wanting to walk in all these great things and still contending with certain things in his or her life. Heart attitude is right towards God. But the person really wants to change. You see that? But they're having problems. But the person sitting right over there has this attitude. You ready for this attitude? My Lord delayeth his coming. My Lord delayeth his coming. It doesn't matter if I get spirit-filled now. I've got about five, ten years down the road. What's the difference? This love walk business? Love my wife like Christ loved the church? I think about it, but I've got time. My Lord delayeth his coming. See, there are different attitudes of the heart. Do you understand that? Same Lord. Jesus said, same Lord. But different attitudes. One is faithful and the other one is not faithful. From the heart. They may be, both be sitting in the same church. They both may be hearing the same message. But their heart attitudes are wrong. And all they, although they both may have problems, and they both do. You see that? You can run this one into the ground while you're preaching your hellfire and brimstone and condemnation and guilt and no judgment and all that sort of stuff. Because you want to get over to this one here. And you're running this one into the ground. 
What you want to do is to know how to bring it forth in such a way so that you can pierce that heart and let that person know, your Lord, you think he's delaying his coming. Well, he's talked about people with that attitude. And if you continue to turn from your righteousness, to set up your own standards of righteousness, and to walk in the way you want to go with this attitude, well, your Lord said, when he does return, you're not going to know when it's happening. That's what Jesus said. Didn't Jesus say that? So you see, it's the attitude of the heart. That's why it's so difficult to preach to a whole body of people when you have different heart attitudes represented within that body. And it takes the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God to reach every person at their particular level, at their particular point of spiritual growth and development and cause their heart to change with the message that's being spoken. Take the things that they need to hear and make them alive within them. Amen. It's not an easy task. But my brother and my sister, I must obey God. I must do what God said do. And he said, I want you to also speak unto the righteous. And I want you to tell the righteous that when the righteous turn from their righteousness to set up their own standards of righteousness, then they shall die in their sins. But if they turn, of course, and repent and come back to God, then, of course, they'll be spared. Now, notice this. There are two kinds of Christians then, we can say. There are those, yes, they want to serve God. They love to serve God. Anybody here ever been successful in totally putting sin out of your life? Raise your hand if you've been totally successful. Never sin anymore. Oh, I could really preach some hellfire and brimstone right now. Did you know that? You're a good captive audience for that. You mean not one? Well, then come on now. Let's preach some hellfire and brimstone. See, what matters is the hard attitude out there. You may be having some problems in your spiritual walk, in your spiritual life. And God is perfecting that which concerns you. And you have a right heart attitude toward God. And you know the things that you've got to get changed in your life. If we're going to preach the other message, you see, it's going to have to be to those who are like this. So let's define our terms. He said, speak to the, unright- to the righteous who have turned from their righteousness. And what does that mean? Are you ready? You came to God by Jesus Christ and you became the righteousness of God in Christ. It's the righteousness which is of God. And He set the standards for righteousness. But the moment you walked away from the Word and began to do your own thing, so to speak, it doesn't matter if I do this. God will forgive me down the road somewhere. It doesn't matter if I do that. God will forgive me down the road. It doesn't matter if I do this. What you've done is you've turned away from God's righteousness to set up your own standards of righteousness and now you're living your life the way you want to live your life. I walked into a Bible bookstore. I discussed this with a particular person of a particular denomination who was born again. And that person said, it doesn't matter to me if I walk into bars. It doesn't matter to to God even if I want to even sit down there and drink. It doesn't matter what I do anymore because I've been saved. And our church teaches once saved always saved. Now, wait a minute. Who set the standards of righteousness? Your church or the Bible? It's the Holy Word of God. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So, He set the standards for righteousness. Can you say amen? But when that Christian... He told Ezekiel, speak to the righteous and tell them. If you've turned from your righteousness and you're setting up your own standards, you need to turn back. And so those who have turned from your your righteousness, listen, this is the message. And by it, we can fight a good warfare if we'll heed what the Spirit of God is saying. The righteous sin not. The righteous sin not. See, you don't set up your own standards. Turn back and walk in the righteousness of God. Now, let me go a little bit further and explain some of this. You're in the... Valley of decision, and the hour has come to you. You've heard enough that you shouldn't criticize. 
You've heard time and time again that you've got to watch the words that go forth out of your mouth. Isn't that right? By your words you'll be justified or by your words you'll be condemned. You've heard time and time again that you are the light of the world, that you are the salt of the earth. How many times do we have to hear it? How many ways do we have to have it preached? Light means that which makes vision possible. Do you know what makes vision possible to a world that's lying in darkness? Do you know what makes vision possible? You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works make vision possible to the world that's in darkness. What vision? The vision of God. In other words, they're able to see God through your good works. You are the salt of the earth. You make people crave and long for God. Thirst after God. That's one part of it. But secondly, you also prevent judgment. It's preservative. You preserve the earth from judgment because you're an intercessor. And the hand of judgment is stayed because you pray. Now, how many ways, how many times do we have to hear that until we heed it? Well, for some of us, We've been hearing it quite often. For some of us, we've been around a full message for quite a while. Yet, we're still talking about people. Yet, still criticizing other people. Yet, condemning, judging, and evil speaking, vain speaking, foolish speaking. Yet, we're not showing forth or bringing forth good works. Not paying our tithes. Has nothing to do with the church. Has something to do with you and God. These are just certain things we want to get into on Sunday morning about work, things that we will be judged for as Christians on that judgment day when the believers are judged for the deeds that they have done, whether they be good or whether they be evil. And a good man, out of the good deposits, brings forth good things. Many Christians are in the valley of decision. You can't live in fornication and say that you've not turned from your righteousness because you have turned from your righteousness if you're living in fornication. Either say amen or say ouch. And you set up your own standards. See, that, that just doesn't work. Like, God's righteousness doesn't work that way. So many have got to make a decision. What are you going to do with the love message? What will you do with the faith message? What will you, will you do with the message that has been brought forth? I've been preaching the last, latter part of last year, the first part of, of this particular year. The message that the Father burned within my spirit is that I've called my people to a deeper walk of intimacy with me in fellowship. I've called my people to a deeper consciousness of righteousness, right standing, and what it means to be in right standing with me. That you don't go off and just set your own standards and do your own thing. You listen to me and to what I've said through the greater word of prophecy, and that's in my word. If we'll just listen, you see, to what was being said or to what has been spoken as by the Spirit of God, then our lives would line up and by them we'll fight a good warfare. I've called my people to a deeper walk in the reality of my holiness. I've called my people to experience a deeper manifestation. I like sometimes saying glory. You know why? You know what glory and the power of God really is? It's His ability. That's what it is. Walking in the ability of God. And I want my people to experience that. See, and what he's saying is now, what are you going to do about it? The hour of decision is at hand for every one of us. Why? Because we are the only ones here in this church. That's why. And it's coming forth to you. It's coming forth to me. Because our time is going to run out eventually upon the earth. And unless necessary adjustments are made with inside our human spirit then we can lose out on spiritual things that God wants to impart to us by His Spirit. And this is a sad thing to say. He'll have to go locate another body, another people, and start imparting those things to them because He wants those things accomplished. He wants His purpose accomplished upon this earth. I believe that we can be a light in the Beaver Valley. 
I believe that we could be so bright. We could be so shining. We can be so salty. So salty that people thirst for God because of our lives. So once again, we are in the valley of decision. What are we going to do with this message? He says, I've called you to purity. He says, I've called you to prayer. I've called you to power. I've called you to perfected praise. Yes, we can sit out there. Yes, we can stand out there. And we can get upset every time it's time to worship in church. My brother and sister, I'm not holding back. We're sounding the trumpet. And it doesn't matter who you are, what the name is. Is that understood? It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter if you put the first dollar in this church building. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your name is. As far as God is concerned, those things are but empty unless our heart attitude is right when we do those things. And he's saying, now is now, past is past, now is now. What will you do with the now? I'm speaking by my Spirit. I'm revealing certain things. I want it pure. I want it prayerful. I want it powerful or ability-wise. He's speaking, I want you full of my ability and I want perfected praise. The hour decision has come. What will you do with it? It's time when personal lives have got to line up. When Pentecostals have got to realize that receiving the Holy Ghost is not the end, but it's the beginning of the opening to the realm of the Spirit, and you've only got the first foot in the door, and you've got to go on and pursue and investigate and launch out and reach out and get out there and put all that stuff behind you. What stuff? Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. For the foundation of God is sure, having this seal. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ divorce himself, divorce herself, separate himself, separate herself from iniquity, from sin, ungodliness, unrighteousness. Forsake that. Walk away from that. So you can be a vessel of honor, bringing forth, bringing forth, the plan of God, the life of God, the power of God, the healing of God, the ability of God, the wisdom of God, the life of God unto a lost and dying world. And so that you can be one who assists the young ones who just come in and they hear, what did the pastor mean when he said, believe ye receive and ye shall have? I don't understand that just yet. Well, what does he mean? Well, you know, I heard him preach on, speak to that mountain, it'll be removed and cast into the sea if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say will come to pass. You know, we've heard that message for such a long time. You know what he's saying to us? If you don't make a decision to do something with it, you're going to lose out on the whole message. You know, there are many who started in faith who have lost out on the message of faith because they ran with it and didn't take time to settle themselves down in it and they are missing out on the deep things of God because of it. Why? Because they wanted to be emotional with it. They wanted it to get for them the things that they needed in this life and not the things that last. If you'll use the faith principles to get the things of the Spirit going in your life, those other things will take care of themselves. Did you know that? Amen. God wants you people, me, all of us out here, who are who have been sitting under this kind of teaching, this kind of ministry, you know what He wants us to be? Qualified, well-equipped ministers of the gospel who can take salvation, who can take the baptism in the Holy Ghost, who can take healing and deliverance and a deeper life unto any person who, who comes across his or her path. You can lead them all the way through there. You know what God is looking for in this hour in this generation? That when somebody is dying in your family or someone around you, you don't have to call somebody on the phone. You pack your belongings and you get over there yourself because you are a, a, an equipped minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll know how to lead that person to Jesus. You know how to get them delivered. You know how to, to, to take unto them that which they need to get delivered. The truth that makes them free, you're going to take it to them. So the hour of decision is coming. Do we want to be a, a church of a, a perfected praise? You know, Joshua and Caleb could not get, although they had great faith, could not get the children of Israel into the promised land. Even Moses couldn't. Why? Because the people 
were not responding to the word of prophecy that was being spoken concerning them. They didn't heed what was being said. But you know in the days of Jehoshaphat, when the three armies came, and they began to crowd unto God as a people, unified, joined together for one purpose and one intent, and that is to fulfill the plan of God. And when they were obedient to the word of God, when Jehoshaphat took the word of the Lord and presented it to the Father God and said, This is what you said, Lord. And he brought the, the wives and the children and they all gathered around and said, This is what you said. You watch over your word to perform it. Now look what's happening here upon this earth. He spoke to them. How? Through the prophet. By what means? Gifts of the Spirit. And told them exactly what not to do and what to do. Fear not. Fear not. This battle is not yours. It's mine. Send forth some praisers. That thou buy them, that thou mayest buy them, war a good warfare. And that's what they did. But you see, Joshua and Caleb couldn't get his congregation to do that. But Jehoshaphat did. And they did exactly what thus saith the Lord said. And then when they responded to that, my brother and my sisters, you saw what took place. Great manifestations of the Spirit of God. Amen. Well, these are some of the things that the Lord has said to us in recent months. Did you know that? He said through humility, through a deeper commitment to prayer, and a deeper commitment to the walk of love. What did He say? My church, my building upon this earth will be transformed into a house of purity, into a house of prayer, power, and perfected praise. My people, individually, will have a deeper walk with me in intimacy of fellowship, a deeper consciousness of righteousness, knowing what is the righteousness of God and what is man-made standards of righteousness. Holiness. They'll begin to truly understand that I'm a holy God. And how I've said, be holy, for I am holy. And then they'll experience the greater manifestations of my spirit. And my brother and my sister, God is preparing us by His Spirit. Why do you think I've been teaching on the character of God? Because God wants to bring forth some of this ability, some of this power out from our spirits. But how is it going to happen? Only when we develop His character. That's why we've been talking about the character of God for so long. To get this man on the inside pure as he should be pure. To purify our hearts and, and be, from being double-minded. So that we can become pure. Don't just think, well, here's why I go to church. My brother, my sister, these are some things that God has been saying, yes, through prophecy, by His Spirit. But are we heeding what He's saying? Are we listening to what's being said? Or do we think this is just a part of our life? You're going to Christian Sam, I just go to church there, you know, Monday, Wednesday, whatever. That's, that's not what it is. God is doing something here. And my brother and sister, our Father God wants revival to break out. And the only way that can break out is by being brought forth from your spirit and mine. Amen. And not through emotional power, but through spiritual power. Now, I want you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel. Please. And I didn't intend to go that far in that, in that way, but I'm just going to bring forth that which is in my spirit. Because this, these passages of Scripture, I believe if you'll take heed to this, if you'll look to these passages of Scripture... And meditate therein. And ask the Spirit of God to reveal to you certain things concerning these passages of Scripture. I believe it will revolutionize your entire life. See, these Scriptures were brought out and emphasized in, in one light when the faith movement began. And we've heard about people talking about depositing the Word of God in your heart and bringing forth the Word of God. And that's all fine and well. We've heard people really emphasize Luke 6.38 throughout, I mean, many years of Christianity. That it means, you know, give your money. But that Scripture is not talking about giving your money has no reference to giving your money at all, to be quite frank. It's talking about giving your spirit. Giving something that you possess in your inner man. Give yourself in love so that the goodness of God pours out of your spirit. Give love, give compassion, give generously of yourself to the plan of God in meeting the needs of people. That's what he's talking about. And if you'll give out of your spirit, it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Not just money, not talking about that. 
Now here in Luke chapter 6, you'll notice in verse 37, he said, Judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. How long does that message have to be preached unto a generation of people until they heed what's being said? You know, maybe some don't like when you answer this way, but when people have asked many times about oil robbers, when people have asked many times about the bakers and PTL, I really don't want to discuss it. I'm going on with God no matter who does what or what happens. And I'm going to be bold, so bold as to say this, if I may. May I say this? You've been praying for my boldness. Now look out. There was a time people would come on that television set and you know how much it costs to have television time on there and people would just, just give and give and give and give and give and give and not do their part. Now I'm not promoting this, but my brother and sister, we're going to start speaking things like it is. And getting involved in a local church Getting involved in the work of the ministry, getting involved in being a productive, fruit-bearing branch in the vine, because they say you can't get along with those people down there, because they say you can't get along with those people down there. There's no love here. There's no love there. That's a cop-out. You go there and you be the lover. And so they sit back and their ministry or their church is a television set. And they tie it to the television set. You say, but what time is this ministry? Wait a minute. Those ministers don't bury you. Those ministers don't marry you. They don't counsel you. They're not there to hold your hand when you need your hand held. They're not there to love you when you need love. They're not there to comfort you when you need comfort. They're not there to provide for you all that you need in a church home ministry. They can't do it. Say amen or say oh my. So don't get disgusted when they misuse your money if you give to them. Same manner, say, oh my. Or say, oh me. I might as well speak these things out. They're inside my spirit. It's time to wake up. That's why many can't have many things in their local church, in their home church, because they're always begging for finances and for funds. Now, we've not had to do that here. I thank God I will not have a ministry that has to do that, if I may be so bold as to say that. Because if God, and I've told him, if you can't put us over, if you can't make a success, I don't want in it. If I've got to beg, if I've got to pull, if I've got to stand there and spend an hour to drive people to give something, something is desperately wrong. Are you not the God of all the earth who has all the silver and gold and cattle on a thousand hills? And if you want a work done, if you can't fund it, if you can't support it, then you're launching out too far. Get back to where you belong. Set aside your emotional babies. You like raising other people's kids? What do you mean by that? They give birth to their emotional ideas and they want you to fund it. God told me to do this. They give birth to their emotional ideas and they want you to fund it. Are you hearing? Why are people so naive? I know what goes on in my local church. I know what is happening. I know what I'm supporting. I know what I'm getting out of what I'm putting into that local church. And if I need to, I'll be inquisitive and I'll inquire. I'll find out and discover if we're supporting missionaries. If every penny, if every cent is going where it belongs. May I be so bold as to say this, my brother and my sister? There's never been one penny that's ever come into this facility since I have been here as pastor. And I know that it's been that way before I came here where one penny is not accounted for and accurately given to the right place. As a pastor, I don't even have to have one care, one worry, not one concern about where one penny goes here at Christian Assembly. Because if that 
was designated to go to the children's fund over here, every cent will go there. If that was designated to go over to this project, or that, that every penny will go exactly. If you gave to, to Brother Andy Tonsick in, in missionary endeavor, every cent that you give will go there. If you gave to Raymond Singers and Band, every penny will go there. And nothing will be spent in another way. And we'll help with your kids. And we'll do everything that needs to be done to provide for you an environment where you can come in and you can begin as a young babe in Christ and grow and develop and finally get to a place that you are a productive, fruit-bearing branch in the vine. That's what we're dedicated to. My brothers and sisters, there has to be those who will be there to help the body of Christ to grow up. We don't all have those kind of working miracle ministries out there, but there has to be a facility all around the country where people can come in and they can learn how to grow and develop in spiritual things. And that's why the pastoral teacher office is different than some of the big name evangelist ministries because that's exactly what they're supposed to do is to have miracle, working in miracles to get people in the body of Christ. But once they get there and get what they need, they're supposed to go to a local church. And are you ready for this? My responsibility, every pastor, every teacher, is the responsibility to teach and promote spiritual growth, which is why I teach so much. But, brother, I want to hear a hellfire and brimstone. There might not even be an unsaved person out there. Do you ever think about that? So what am I doing, preaching you in hell when there's not even anybody out there unsaved? Come on, preach it. Don't look at it like, who wound you up? <laughs> I've been wound up. I'm just getting turned loose now. <laughs> Amen. You see, you never heard. You don't listen to what I'm saying. I've got it in me. I take a while to get it out. I've been wanting to say this for years. I think maybe God's saying, oh, they're, grow- they're old enough now. If not, they should be. I never discourage people from from supporting ministries, but if they come to my office and ask me, I tell them. Say, I won't preach it from a pulpit. Oh, you'd like to sometimes. I'm going to go, since we're having fun. (laughs) You know, there are those who claim, I know I'm walking on dangerous ground, but that's okay. They claim to have a pastor. But you know, they don't submit or support. There are those who will use the pastoral office. Will you do this? Will you do that? Will you do this? Will you do that? Will you do this? Will you do that? Absolutely. Do anything you ask me to do. But you know, there are many that will not submit to the instructional teaching of the pastoral office. I mean it. You tell people, brother, sister, this is what you need to do. Now, don't go off and confer with flesh and blood. Because if you do that, you're going to get confused. And it didn't take, it didn't take 24 hours. They've discussed the very issue with a thousand people. I know I'm exaggerating, but seemingly a thousand people. Is that submitting? Is that listening? See, you're not going to get anywhere, my brother and sister. You're going to cut yourself off from what God is saying. I want you to know something. that I'm a different person behind this pulpit than I am out there in the natural. I operate strictly by the anointing of God's Spirit. Otherwise, I would never walk up these steps. And that's why I want some of these things brought forth and brought out. There are those who will go around hopping from church to church because they don't want to be submissive to anybody. But you know, one way to maintain a spirit-filled life is to submit yourselves to one another and also, in particular, to submit to those who are your spiritual leaders and guides. And we went through a, a, a period of time in the faith movement that people didn't want to hear that. You know why? Because somebody went to the other extreme. You're talking about submission like they've talked about and taught submission. No, I'm not talking about you have to call me when you want to change your dress. I'm not saying call me when you want to, you know, should you wear this Wild tie tonight. You know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about heeding the call of God. Listening to what God is saying. And what God is doing. I know there are those, because there are those of you that have told me, now, now brother, pastor, I, I don't understand what you're saying. It took a year for me to get this. It took two years for me to get a hold of what you've been saying. Yeah, I know that. That's why it's taken me seven years to start saying some things I'm saying tonight. 
You, you didn't think it was in there. Oh, it's been in there. But you've got to sit in the background and pray in tongues a lot while God is doing the work on certain people's ears, hearts, and minds. Because otherwise, you're not going to have any success. I didn't run with the flow of emotion. I didn't say, let's build a church because that's what I want. The things that we have done in this place, we have done because we've been on our faces before God. And many don't understand, and many would disagree. But yet, my brother and sister, who has to give account? You or me? I do. Those who He puts in charge in spiritual leadership, they have to. And if we don't learn to submit to one another and heed the call of God, the anointing of God and what God is saying, then you see, then we're not going to be a body joined together, united together like Jehoshaphat and that army was. There'll be people like who? The children of Israel in the wilderness wanting to do their own thing until finally the earthquake has to come and open up and they drop in one at a time. Because, you know, there's, that's, sometimes there's only one way to protect a work of God. And how's that? Some people got to leave the scene. Yes, these are deep things, but they've got to be said because some people get in the way and they've got to leave the scene. And why do you think he is saying that that person could stop the works? They've got to be judged and turn over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. See, these things have got to be said. They've got to be brought out. They've got to be spoken so that we understand. Now, I know we got off on that, and I've said it, and I, I, once again, I'm not going to name names, but people of God, listen. You need to listen to God as to what you're going to do with your spiritual life. And you're going to have to discover what the Bible teaches about not only where you give your finances, but what you should be doing in Christian work. Because you're responsible there also. Amen. I said you're responsible there. And those who will sit back and say, well, I just don't go to church at all. I just watch television, listen to it. I'm just as good a Christian. No, you're not. And the hour of decision is at hand. And you're in the valid decision whether you realize it or not. And you better begin to respond to what God is saying to you. You've got to do what God said to do. And that's fellowship all the more. If you're not listening to the more sure word of prophecy, how in the word are you going to hear from God? Because He's not going to give you things out of Spirit except for if it comes out of your emotions. That's emotional. And that's misuse of the things of God. We've got to obey God. We listen to what God is saying to do. Look at, uh, look at verse... Let's look at verse 39. Spake a parable unto them, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciples not above his master. Everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Why? Beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye. He's saying that they're blind because they have big beams in their eyes. He's saying they're blind because they got telephone poles in their eyes. He's saying they're blind because they got tree trunks in their eyes. And they're trying to find some dust particles in their brothers and sisters' eyes. And what he's saying is this, my brother and sister. If you belong to a, to a body of people and, and you give judgment and you give condemnation and you give criticism, those things are evil. And the evil deposits that you've made into the treasure of your heart is the reason why you're bringing forth evil things out. Well, then what's the blind got to do with it? Here's the fact. Because we're so blind to the, our own false fairies and human frailties and mistakes that we make in our own lives that we don't see, see the fault that's in somebody else. We're blind. We can't see. And that's why we see everybody else's. Because we can't see our own. I want to get humble? Look in a mirror. And say, I am in the image of God. And say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I guarantee you, a voice from out here is going to say, Why, who are you kidding? You? You start making your declarations of faith. You proclaim your faith and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am holy, without spot, without blame, without blemish. And then look in a mirror. You'll find out quickly you can only say that by faith. You can only say that by faith. Amen. Because you'll begin to see, if you stand before a holy God like Isaiah did, my, you're holy. Oh, you're high and lifted up. 
and I'm so undone? See, the faith teaching was not to, re, to get us to the point that we overlook the holiness and the righteousness of God. It was to build the righteousness of God inside our spirit so that we stop looking at ourselves in the flesh and begin to see ourselves as who we are in Christ and we line up in reality to that. That's what it was all about. That's what it's about. That's what it's for. And to get us to line up with the holiness of God. Then when you look in that mirror and you find your own, you, you discover you have all kind of false affairs, then you won't be so quick to, to criticize your brother or the judge or to condemn other people. Amen. Then he goes on to say, look at verse 43. Well, let's 42. Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, cast out the first the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree, how many of you want to be a good tree? The hour is in hand throughout all the land. That a decision must be made. What decision? Between being a good tree or an evil tree? Amen. He's talking about your brother. He's not talking about someone who doesn't understand these things. And this is what he says. For a good tree, bring it forth. Bring, or for a good tree, bring it not forth. In verse 43, corrupt fruit. Neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, out of the good treasure, and that word there, T-H-E-S-A-U-R-O-S, that's the word right there, translated treasure, in the Greek means a deposit. So a better rendering would be, a good man, out of the good deposits of his heart, brings forth that which is good. An evil man, out of the evil deposits of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And let's tie in verse 46. And why call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not that which I say? What's he saying? I told, I've called you to bring forth good things. I've called you to give even unto the, to, to the uh, evil. I've called you to, to, to give even unto the unthankful. I've called you to love your enemy. I've called you to bring forth love for your enemy out of your spirit. I've called you to bring forth forgiveness. I've called you to bring forth Anyone who has a need to bring forth that which is necessary to provide for that need. I've called you to be a good tree to bring forth good things so that people may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And the only way you can do that is by depositing good things into the treasury of your heart. So either make the tree good or make it corrupt. Are we going to finally look in a mirror and say, My goodness, I see myself as I really am. And Father, I humble myself until I am satisfied with my walk. I'll not criticize anyone in the body of Christ. I'm not bringing forth con condemnation or that which condemns out of my spirit. I'm not bringing forth that which criticizes out of my spirit any longer. I'm not going to bring forth judgment out of my spirit any longer. I am committed to being a good tree. So I'm going to start today putting some good things. And I illustrated that to you by saying when we were first saved. And people began to, to this, this couple began to talk to us about Oral Roberts' ministry and, and started saying all this nasty stuff. And I saw it so clearly that they deposited, deposited every bad thing that Oral Roberts ever did in their own eyes. See, they were blind. Big old telephone poles sticking out of their eyes, but they can see all the dust particles in Brother Roberts. But you don't know what Brother Roberts did. It doesn't matter what he did. Whose servant is he? Theirs or Jesus's? So get the telephone pole out, he said, first. But you see, they brought forth judgment, condemnation, and criticism. Why? Because that's all they put in. And I immediately responded, as a baby in Christ, no one taught me these things. I said, I don't know a whole lot about Oral Roberts, but I do know this. I know he had a great evangelistic healing ministry. I know he won the multitudes to Jesus. I know that he went overseas and there were many multitudes who will be shouting praises unto God throughout the eternal ages because he believed God and he stepped out in faith and he did the work of God. And those rewards will not be taken away from him. He did all that. And I looked him right in the square in the eyeball and I says, And I wouldn't be so quick to criticize any man of God until you've at least achieved all that he did. And then if you want to, you go ahead. But I still wouldn't do it then. 
And I only brought forth that which was good on my spirit because that's all I allowed to deposit inside the treasury of my spirit about that man. And it's the same today. I'm not changing. I said, I'm not changing. I'm not his judge. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? Don't do it. I'm committed to being a good tree. How about you? I'm committed to that. Why? Because the next verse, he says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and not do that which I say? Then he talked about the foundation, the foundational principles of the Word. He that heareth these sayings and doeth them, he's like a wise man that dug deep, built his house upon a rock, solid ground, and he lived his life and ordered his life by those principles. But the one who didn't, he's building on sandy ground. The one with the poles in the eye. The one who's always criticizing, bringing forth condemnation, bringing forth judgment. The one who does all that, that person is in, on dangerous soil. His, his house is on dangerous ground. Do you see that, my brother and sister? Now, I've got something else I've got to say tonight. But I know we're going to close here. But, but I have to say this tonight because there are some things. I thought I was going to preach this on Sunday morning. But praise God, it's not Sunday morning, is it? It's Wednesday night. But bless God, that's what God wants spoken. I've got to say this. I've got to speak it because it was just so heavy inside me. Mightily inside my spirit. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 3 because it's going to speak to many hearts tonight. To, to, to give good things. To give good. To give good. Everybody say give. Give. See, give. Give what? Give. Bring forth. Give means bring forth. Bring forth. Give good things. Bring forth good things. Bring forth good things. Bring forth good things. Bring forth. Give good things. Give what? Give thanksgiving unto God. Give thanks to God out of your spirit. He said, don't get caught up in foolish talking. Rather, give thanks. Didn't he say that? Don't waste that hot air on criticism. Give thanks to God. That's what he said. Make a decision to stop that foolish speaking and give thanks to God. Don't waste the breath. Let, praise God with the breath. That's what he's saying. And I'd sooner praise God than to criticize a man of God. Are you with me? Amen. 1 Peter 3, 9. Give yourself to God. Give yourself to the work of God. Give thanks to God. Give a lot of things to God. Look, look at verse, chapter 3 of First Peter. Uh, let's see, back, verse 7. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them. Talk about your wives according to knowledge. Everybody say giving. Yeah. Say it again, giving. Yeah. Men say, who are married, who has a wife, say giving. Yeah. Giving what? Giving what? Giving what? Unto who? Giving what? Unto the wife? You know, some marriages fall apart because men don't give honor to their wives. You'll be judged for that. You want another scripture to tie into this? Look at this scripture in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, I'm going to stop this right here because I'll probably finish this Sunday morning. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Hey, my brother and sister, I'm serious with God. Are you serious with God? Yeah. Amen. I, I, I'm not going to play games. I, I just don't want to play games. This is going to make a better person out of you and a better person out of me. As we get tough with the things of God. And by violent force, we're going to take the land for Jesus. Verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and what? Now, let me insert another word there. Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, bringing forth good things like honor out of your spirit and giving it to your wife. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave and brought forth good things out of his spirit for the church. Well, what are you tonight? Are you a good tree? These are some of the good things that have to be brought forth out from your spirit. Give honor to your wife. You know, I may have been laughed at, maybe just in jest, because of all the good things I say about my wife. But you know what? I'll never be accused of not giving honor to my wife. I'll give honor to my wife from this pulpit. I'll praise her in the gates. Because she's worthy of it.
And I'm not ashamed to say it. I thank God every day for her. And I bring it forth out of my spirit. I say good things about my wife because she's worthy of those good things. And I want people to know that and recognize that. Who will you be tonight? A good tree that bringeth forth good things? Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.